The following is a message by Professor Zach Keel from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. This morning we continue our uh, series through the books of 1st and 2nd Kings by looking at 2nd Kings chapter 11. I'll read the entire chapter. Uh, This is a the first part of a two-part series. The second part will be delivered next week by our esteemed Dr. Johnson, so we look forward to that. But uh, we're, So we're looking at Athaliah this week and more on Josiah next week, or Joash, excuse me, next week. But looking uh, at uh, 2 Kings 11, I'll read the entire chapter. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Hahaziah, saw that her son was dead... She arose and destroyed all the royal family. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death. And she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid him from Athaliah so that he was not put to death. And he remained with her six years, hidden in the house of the Lord, while Athaliah reigned over the land. But in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the Karites and of the guards and had them come to him in the house of the Lord, and he made a covenant with them and put them under oath in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's son, and he commanded them, This is the thing you shall do. One-third of you, those who come off duty on the Sabbath, and guard the king's house. Another third being at the gate sur, and a third at the gate behind the guards shall guard the palace. And the two divisions of you which come on duty in force on the Sabbath and guard the house of the Lord on behalf of the king shall surround the king, each with his weapon in his hand. And whoever approaches the ranks is to be put to death. Be with the king when he goes out and when he comes in. The captains did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded, and they each brought his men who were to go off duty on the Sabbath with those who were to come on duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave to the captains the spears and the shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. And the guards stood, every man with his weapon in his hand, from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar, and the house on behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son and put a crown on him and gave him the testimony, and they proclaimed him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she went into the house of the Lord to the people, and when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar, according to the custom. And the captains and the trumpeters beside the king and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains who were set over the army, Bring her out between the ranks and put to death with the sword anyone who follows her. 
For the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they laid hands on her, and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house, and there she was put to death. And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people, and they, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. Then all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. His altars and his images they broke in pieces, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest posted watchmen over the house of the Lord. And he took the captains, the Karaites, the guards, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, marching through the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he took his seat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, after Athaliah had been put to death with the sword at the king's house. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have raised up for us the Holy One of Israel. Jesus Christ is our Lord and King, the Holy One who has not only saved us from our sins, but has made us righteous by his merit and is making us holy so that we will be perfectly holy, confirmed in that holiness on that final day when we will have perfect peace to dwell with you forever. Encourage us in our Lord so that we might live before you for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's definitely true to say that there's a tendency among Christians, maybe people in general, but particularly among Christians, to think that we are always living in the worst times. Things are getting so bad. Surely history can't go on much longer. We won't make it through. We always look back to some perfect time in the past and think we're in the worst times. Of course, this is rarely true, but we feel this way due, due more to our ignorance of history and sometimes our lack of faith. Nonetheless, we do and often go through trying and difficult times, times that make us wonder, will we endure? Will God's church endure? Well, in this passage of 2 Kings 11, we actually see a true crisis of epic proportions. One of the darkest moments in redemptive history. Yet, as we'll see, the Lord's preservation of his people through this crisis is a great assurance to us in our Lord, whereby he keeps us unto glory. Now, even though this statement of the crisis is brief in verses 1 through 3, we should not miss its severity. Indeed, Athaliah killing the royal family and reigning as queen seems somewhat typical for kings in the ancient world. But who is this Athaliah? Well, first, she was the wife of King Joram of Judah, who died. Then her son, Ahaziah, came to rule, but he reigned only one year, then Jehu killed him when he killed the whole house of Ahab. Thus she has lost her husband, the king, and her son, the king. However, Athaliah is not of Judah. She's one of the house of Ahab that's escaped. She's of the line of Omri, king of Israel. She's related to Ahab. In fact, she's either Ahab's sister but more than likely, she's the daughter 
of Ahab and Jezebel escaped Jehu's cleansing of the North Kingdom. And like Jezebel, she is the great promoter of Baalism. Moreover, Athaliah kills this royal seed, all of them. That is, every descendant of David that has right to the throne. She's attempting to wipe out the line of David for good. Why so severe? Well, again, God's promise. Because God promised that the seed would come through the line of David. This is how his kingdom would be established. Thus, Athaliah is attempting to stop God's promise. She is hoping to end that Davidic covenant and prevent the coming of Christ. Hence, Athaliah is not just another cruel queen, but she is the seed of the serpent hoping to crush the seed of the woman. In Genesis 3.15, the Lord foretold this battle between the seed of the woman and the serpent. And Athaliah is of the line of the serpent in hoping to inflict that fatal wound to God's plan. Truly, this is an epic crisis when all of redemptive history holds its breath. Will she succeed? Will all hope be lost? Well, she definitely comes close. But one descendant is saved. Jehoshaphat saves one royal descendant, a baby boy, and hides him in the temple for six years. While the serpent queen rules over God's people outside, there is a hidden hope within the realm of the holy. Thus, the majority of this chapter focuses on this hope becoming sight. Now, we, we have laid out in most of the chapter for us the holy scheme that the high priest Jehoiada uh, carries out to restore the line of David. Now, his strategy is definitely cunning and dramatic here, but there's one key aspect we, we need to focus on to see what he's doing, and that is the focus on Jehoiada's protection of the holy. We could say this is a geography of sacred place and the protection and expansion of that. Notice how this all happens in the temple. The leader of this coup is the high priest. All the guards here are Levites. Second Chronicles makes this clear, but this is obvious from the context, is that God appointed in Numbers 3 and chapter 18 that the holy place was to be protected with Levitical guards who carried a sword to keep out the unclean and the impure. Thus, anyone who was unclean who came near was to be put to death. Moreover, note that this, holy, this whole coup takes place on the Sabbath. The whole way of, of, of being uh, sneaky here is that some are coming off duty and some are coming on unless you get everybody there at the same time. Thus, Jehoiada rightly sees his coup as a holy deed of necessity on the Sabbath. Furthermore, the priest and the Levite guards are to protect the holy, but note what is at the center of their protection. Who do they surround? The king. And why? Well, God's promise is through David. 
It, for this child to die is for the promise to fail. Thus, in faith, Jehoiada rightly sees that the most holy thing that he must protect is the very promise of God through David, David's offspring. For there's no hope without him. Thus, look, look at the outcome of Jehoiada's holy coup. First, he succeeds in making the boy king. Then, in verse 12, he puts on Joash a crown and gives him the testimony. These are signs of God's covenant sanction for the king. The king rules under God and according to the testimony of the covenant. Next, though, we see that the anointing and the acclamation of the new king draws Athaliah out and where? Into the temple or the holy place. The rejoicing draws the unholy, the wickedly profane Baal promoter into the realm of the holy and the sacred. The punishment must mean death for the profane seed of the serpent has encroached upon the holy. Thus to respect the holy place, Jehoiada has her removed from the holy sphere to be executed in the house of the king. Then we see that Jehoiada further restores holiness by renewing the covenant of the Lord. Look at verse 17. Here he renews the covenant of David between God and the king. He renews the Mosaic covenant between God and the people. He restores then finally the relationship between the people and the king. Surely he renews the covenant, thereby consecrating and sanctifying the people after being under the serpent queen for six years. The holiness of the Lord spreads out from the temple and the king to the people and the whole land. Thus we see the necessity of holiness and the the necessary holiness and the expanding of this holiness is shown in verse 18 with the destruction of the temple of Baal. According to God's word, they destroy Baal and kill the Baal priest. Finally, with the death of Athaliah, the holy land of God's presence can have peace. Look at verse 20. And all the people then rejoice, and the city was quiet or at peace after Athaliah's death. The Antichrist Athaliah is dead. The enemy has been crushed, and certainly this is something to rejoice about. Where turmoil and impurity reigned, now holiness is established. The holy land where God dwells with his people is at peace. Thus, through Jehoiada, we see that the Lord preserved his people through this crisis where the serpent came so close to quenching the hope of God's people. Now certainly we can see the mercy and steadfast love of our Lord in keeping his promises to his people in this chapter. Indeed, we get a glorious glimpse of our Savior here. With the covenant renewed and evil crushed, the king takes his seat upon the royal throne in verse 19. Yes, Joash gives us a picture of Christ, one that will look at, be looked at later next week. However, what is interesting about this chapter is Joash 
is completely passive. Though at the center of all the action, he doesn't do anything. Rather, it's Jehoiada who does everything. And it is Jehoiada's priestly work that points us forward to the work of Christ. See, unlike Adam, when the serpent attacked him in the holy paradise garden of Eden, Jehoiada stands his ground to protect the holy sanctuary and the seed of God and to execute the Baal queen. So also our Lord, as the second Adam and the true high priest of God in the order of Melchizedek, will slay the serpent and make holy the true temple of God, the church, you and I. In fact, our Lord has already begun this sanctifying work and sealed its completion in us. The Lord dealt that death blow to the evil one, not by using a sword first, but by suffering a sword in his death on the cross. In his death and resurrection, our Lord accomplished for us our redemption so that we might be be justified in him. In our justification, we are made righteous by his imputed righteousness, which infallibly and forensically seals our confirmation in holiness and glory. And indeed, flowing from our justification, Christ fills us with his spirit to work in us greater conformity to his image now through sanctification. But then, finally... God will extend his holiness to the whole cosmos as he will create a new heavens and a new earth and cast that ancient serpent into the lake of fire. Then, and only then, will we be established in holiness with resurrected bodies in the new Jerusalem where no impure thing will enter. And Christ will sit upon his throne as the true descendant of David and king, the true high priest, having brought us to glory and put all evil things under his feet. And as the apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15, when all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in, in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Perfect holiness established. This is where ultimate peace lies. And indeed, what a comfort this is for us during our pilgrimage here, where evil and sin still seems to cling so closely to us. For this directs us to our one blessed hope when we will dwell with our Lord in holiness. No more sin, no more tears, no more evil crisis, no more serpent lurking around for us. And when that holiness is established, perfect peace will reign. This is what we see pictured here in 2 Kings 11, and it is what Christ has done for us now and always. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you that Christ did what we failed to do in Adam. 
that truly he slayed that serpent and made us holy by his own blood and righteousness and he gave us life through his resurrection so that being holy in Christ now, you are sanctifying us unto resurrection so that we might be confirmed in that holiness to dwell with you forever. How we long for that day, O Lord, for so much do we tire from the sin and evil in our lives. But help us to have courage and rest in Christ as he is the Holy One of Israel, our King, who has saved us, who defends us and protects us, and is surely by his power keeping us for that blessed hope, that one imperishable inheritance, which is ours as a free gift because of the work of Christ. Give us strength now, in Jesus' name, amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.